This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi, family. So glad to be with you again this weekend in church. I'd like to welcome all of you in the main auditorium. Give yourselves a great big praise, God. And all of you in the Sheila Palmer, the Dr. Theo, the Dr. Viv, and the theater, give yourselves a great big praise, God. And all of you watching at home, let me know that you are alive and with us and give us a big praise, God. And please comment on your phones as you go, if you're watching online, live streaming. Please comment. And uh, if you like the message, my name is Dr. Theo. And if you don't like the message, my name is Dr. Johnny. Praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> All right. Two weeks ago, we learned from the life of David that worship is important and prayer. Remember when his life was hanging by a thread, he went aside to pray in the forests of Ephraim and God changed his circumstances, impossible circumstances. A harvest that he deserved to reap because of what he had done with Bathsheba and Uriah. And yet God turned that around and delivered him because he went aside to seek God earnestly throughout the night. He never slept. And then we learned also the following week about Esther. She went aside with Mordecai to fast and pray and seek God. A handful of people and they turned the whole kingdom around, delivered the Jewish people, changed the heart of the king, and their enemy, Haman, was hung on the gallows he designed for Mordecai. Now this week, we're going to study the life of Daniel. So let's begin by reading from Exodus chapter 9, verse 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning Confront Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. So God said, Go tell Pharaoh to let three million Jews go from Egypt, from slavery. Why? So they can come out and worship me. Amazing, isn't it? All that happened in the Old Testament is types and shadows of what we have today. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 6, these events happened to the Israelites in the Old Testament as warnings to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did. Notice this, what happened to Israel happened to them to be a warning to us, teaching us. Now go down to verse 11, still 1 Corinthians 10. These events happened to them, to the Israelites in the Old Testament, as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the time when the age 
this age is drawing to a close. So what happened to the Israelites in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is made up of examples and teachings for our benefit for today. So those who say that the Old Testament is relevant, irrelevant, it doesn't mean anything, they're absolutely wrong. It's there for us to learn from. Now, God delivered us from Satan's kingdom so that we could come out and worship him. That's true, is it not? You and I were saved to worship. That's the main purpose. Of course, we have reason to worship God. We have many good reasons why we should. If God did not draw us to salvation, we would be bound for hell. What could be more tragic for any man than to leave his body in death and find himself descending into the flames of hell, knowing that he will be there for eternity with no way of escape, with no hope, knowing that it's too late to repent, knowing that it's too late to repent. That, that opportunity is gone. There's nothing he can do now. His last chance has passed him by. How tragic is that? The person who finds himself in the fires of hell. So let us worship God because he saved us. He deserves our worship. We should love to worship our God. We should love to worship our God. Want to worship our God. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 15, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. So the grace that brings salvation, the result of that, the purpose of that is that we may praise God. It's reaching more and more people so, we may, so it may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. So yes, God chooses us, to saves us so we can worship Him. So we can worship Him. And God also chooses worshipers for promotion. Say that with me, please. God chooses worshipers for promotion. And God knows where to find his worshipers. If no one else remembers where they are, God does. Jesus said the same thing in John 4, verse 23. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father is seeking. The Father is seeking. He's looking for worshipers. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's the words of the Lord Jesus himself. The New Living Translation says it this way. The Father is looking for anyone who will worship him that way. So say this, God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth, who will worship him with their whole heart, in other words. 
All right, Psalm 22 and verse 3. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabit the praises of Israel. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. That means he lives in, settles down in, and is there when we praise him. So when you praise God, God, his presence manifests. The Bible says you inhabit, you live in the praises. So anytime you start to praise God, God shows up. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. The same verse in the NAS translation says, Yet thou art holy, O thou who art enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Which means whenever we praise God, he sets up his throne in our praises. That means God takes charge of your circumstances and rules in your favor when you praise him. Wow. It's clear from these verses. When we praise and worship God that his presence manifests. Please say this with me. God dwells in my praises. So we should come early to church to praise God every time we come. Let's come early before the service begins. Let's be seated and ready to worship God so we can get maximum opportunity, time, and benefit from that worship experience. God promotes and exalts the worshipers. We can see this in the life of Daniel as well. That's a great lesson we're going to learn here today from the life of Daniel. We learned this lesson from the life of David. He was a worshiper, and so is Daniel. We can see this in his life. Daniel was a man who spent much time with God. Mighty angels appeared to Daniel. Daniel prophesied the birth, the life, the death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? He prophesied his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Daniel prophesied all of that. Daniel prophesied the coming of the Antichrist. Now, he lived hundreds of years before Jesus walked the earth, and yet he prophesied all this accurately in his book. Daniel prophesied of the different Gentile empires and the time of the end of the Gentile empires, which is coming to a close right now. Daniel prophesied the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Daniel prophesied the end time judgment of the world. Incredible insight God gave this man. Daniel gave us insight into the angelic and demonic activity in the atmosphere around us. When you read the book of Daniel, you'll understand how demons operate and how angels operate in the atmosphere around us. Daniel helped us understand how Christians can influence and control activities in the atmosphere on earth by exercising our authority. We learned that from Daniel, how to exercise our authority and influence and control the demonic and angelic spirits in the world around us. 
And Jesus confirmed that in Matthew 18, 18. Jesus confirmed what Daniel said. Jesus said, Assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, what you allow will be allowed. Whatever you don't allow will not be allowed. In verse 19, again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. Now the Lord Jesus said that. He said all that. Now, let's go to Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He asked for his magicians and wise men to tell him what the dream was about, okay? So he has this dream and he tells his magicians and wise men, I want you to tell me what I dreamt. And then I want you to explain what the dream means. In other words, if you can tell me what I dreamt, then I'll believe what you tell me when you say this is what it means. That's a tall ask, right? Now, since none could do what he asked, he decided to execute all of his wise men and all of his magicians. And since Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were among those wise men, they were going to be executed as well. And when Daniel learned of the king's decision, he went to God in prayer. He didn't wail and cry. He went to God in prayer. Let's read this story in Daniel 2, verse 17. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Michelle, and uh, Azariah. Daniel urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Now Daniel goes aside to seek God, just like David did in the forest of Ephraim. Verse 19, he spends the night in prayer and worship. Watch this. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the Lord God of heaven. Praise the Lord God of heaven. Daniel goes before the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, to interpret his dream and tell him what he dreamt. God shows Daniel a statue, a giant statue. And that was a type or an example of the different empires of the world to come after this time including the coming of Christ. All that was in the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar. And so Daniel explains, this is what you dreamt, and this is what it means. God's showing you the future of the world, right? That's heavy duty. Now notice how Daniel, all right, let's go to Daniel 2 and verse 28. This is what he says to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. He has shown you, O king, what will happen in the days to come. So he tells the king, this is what you saw. You saw this statue. 
of different metals and so on, how it was constructed. And then he explains him, explains to the king that it was God who showed him this. There's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown the king, the Nebuchadnezzar, what will happen in the days to come. So Daniel gives God all the glory for revealing this dream to the king and to himself. Now, at the end of the explanation, King Nebuchadnezzar responds rather surprisingly. I think you'll find this very interesting. Let's see how the king responds to what Daniel says to him when he reveals what he dreamt about and the, and the reason and the explanation of that dream. All right, let's go down to Daniel 2.46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel. Imagine that. So here is, here is the king on his throne, right? Daniel standing before him. The king falls off his throne onto the floor, his hands outstretched before Daniel. On, the on his face, he falls on his face on the floor before Daniel. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to Daniel. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made Daniel ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. So now you might say the king puts his feet up on his bench or whatever it is and relaxes, eats his grapes, whatever he's doing, and lets Daniel run the whole kingdom just like Joseph did, just like Mordecai did. Isn't that amazing? I find that so amazing that God can use one man to pray and seek him or, and his three friends and change the whole kingdom. Can you see the power that you have as a believer if you and a few people will set this, themselves aside to pray and seek God, how that God can turn the nation around? You see that in Esther, you see that in David, you see that again in Daniel, the same thing, the same result. Now, after King Nebuchadnezzar passes away, a new king comes to power by the name of Darius, King Darius. And he doesn't recognize Daniel. He doesn't know who Daniel is in the previous kingdom. So Daniel, might say, is just among everybody else somewhere. And so, in Daniel chapter 6, we see the administrators and the princes become jealous of Daniel's ability. So those colleagues he works with become jealous of his ability. They recognize 
God's anointing on him. They searched for some fault in the way Daniel was handling his affairs. They couldn't find anything to criticize him. Daniel was over 80 years old at this time, and he was working for King Darius, an ungodly king, a boss who did not have any kingdom principles. He had no godly principles. Daniel was one of his top three administrators. And Daniel was working side by side every day with those who did not believe in God. But Daniel attracted the king's attention by the way he worked because he was diligent and applied himself. He was diligent and applied himself. That's a good principle. If we would work wherever you work and be diligent and apply yourself, you'll get the boss's attention. There came a time when Daniel's colleagues tried to find grounds to charge Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. In other words, the way he was handling his work for the king. They tried to find fault with it. But the Bible says they were unable, not possible. He was just so squeaky clean. They could find no corruption in Daniel, neither negligence. He was trustworthy, reliable in every way. So finally, when they couldn't find any basis of charging Daniel, they looked into his spiritual life. Now, as we know, Daniel would stop and pray and worship the Lord, and he would do this three times a day. He would stop, go aside, pray, worship God three times a day. He did that. He would open his window to face towards Jerusalem, and that's what he did. Everybody knew that in town. So, and he would not stop praying. Nothing would stop him from doing it. He'd worship God. So because of that, we know he was thrown into the lion's den. Let's read this then, how he was thrown into the lion's den. Daniel 6, verse 6. So the administrators and the princes went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We administrators, prefects, princes, advisors, and other officials have unanimous... <laughs> Rewind. We administrators, prefects, princes, advisors, and other officials have unanimously agreed that your majesty should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders for the next 30 days that anyone who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty the king, will be thrown to the lions. Okay, you got that? They're saying to the king, if anybody prays to any god or anybody and doesn't, or anybody else except you, they must be given to the lions. They can't ask God any questions, they must ask you, O king. They can't pray to anybody, they must pray to you. Imagine that. How crazy is that? So King Darius signed the law. He thought, well, that's a great idea. He thought that Daniel might cooperate with that. Verse 10, but when Daniel learned 
that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his window open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God, praising, worshiping God. So you can see that he was a worshiper. He did that three times a day. So everyone knew it. This was reported to the king. The king was very upset, but he had no way of preventing Daniel from being thrown into the lions because this, this law was signed now and there's no way the king could help Daniel. He was trapped. Now listen to the words of King Darius just before he throws Daniel into the lion's den. Listen to what the king says to Daniel in chapter 6, verse 16. The king said to him, May your God, whom you worship continually, rescue you. So the king knows that Daniel is a worshiper. The king, imagine everybody in the kingdom knows, even the king knows that Daniel is a worshiper. Wow. How many people know that you and I are worshipers? I wonder. Some folks, God doesn't even know that. <laughs> God doesn't even know. There's such secret worshipers that God doesn't even know it. Well, I don't believe we have any of those in this church, right? Okay, so the king said to him, may your God whom you worship continually rescue you. So he was on Daniel's side. He regretted what had, what had happened. And he says, oh, Daniel, I, I pray that your God, that you worship, will rescue you. So he throws him in the den. Now go to verse 19. Very early the next morning, the king hurried out to the lion's den. So the king woke up before sunrise, ran out to the lion's den. I wonder if Daniel's okay. So he cared about Daniel, obviously. Verse 20. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you worship continually able to rescue you from the lions? He's distraught. He's anxious. Was your God able to rescue you? The God you worship continually. He says it again. The God whom you worship continually. Was he able to rescue you from the lions, Daniel? As we know, Daniel spoke up from the lion's den and said, long live the king. He protected me. And the king was overjoyed and took him out. And then King Darius ordered Daniel's accusers to be thrown into the lion's den. So all those that accused Daniel were thrown, and there were a lot of folks. Now watch this, Daniel 6.24. The lions leaped, leaped, on those accusers and tore them apart, tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Hmm. These lions were hungry, folks. They were hungry. They were waiting for their food. Obviously, the king threw people in there all the time. They didn't like or disobeyed him or whatever. And these lions were waiting for their dinner. They pulled their arms off, pulled their legs off, pulled their heads off before they even hit the ground. Huh. Wow. So Daniel was promoted to be the king's right-hand man at that point. The same thing that happened 
under Nebuchadnezzar's rule. Yeah, Darius made him his right-hand man in charge of everything. Now, the, the interesting thing here is that that happened three times. Daniel served three different kings in his lifetime. And every time he was put in charge, promoted and put in charge of everything under king's authority. That's interesting. That means he had a winning formula. He had a winning formula. It never failed. We can learn from this. The power of worship. Say that with me. There's power in worshiping God. Say this, when I worship God, I am delivered from my problems. My circumstances change. The secret to Daniel's promotion, the secret to Daniel's promotion, Daniel's success, to Daniel's wisdom, Daniel was a worshiper. That's why he had the wisdom. God gave him success, promotion. Worshippers are blessed of God. No getting away from that. Worshippers have a personal, close, intimate fellowship with God. Worship, worshippers operate in God's wisdom and have God's understanding. Say so that worshippers operate in God's wisdom and have God's understanding. Understanding is the ability to grasp what to do when the pressure is on. Hello? Understanding is the ability to grasp what to do when the pressure is on. So many people, when the pressure is on, they run around like a chicken with their head cut off and they, uh, they don't have any direction, any logic in their decisions. They operate out of fear, make the wrong choices. But understanding is the ability to grasp what to do when the pressure's on, and worshipers have this. Those with the spirit of understanding can help others make destiny-defining choices during challenging times of transition. Like the times we live in right now, family of God, with so much going on, so much going on, so much adversity and evil, those with the spirit of understanding can help others make destiny-defining decisions, decisions that will direct your entire life. Understanding sees the big picture on the cover of the jigsaw puzzle box. Without understanding, one only sees one piece of the jigsaw puzzle. That's why so many people get into false doctrine, make wrong choices, because they only see their part, their piece of the jigsaw puzzle, one piece. But those who have understanding see the cover on the box. They know where their piece fits in. They know what to do next. God talks to worshipers. Daniel 12, 1. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince 
who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. This is talking about our day, which is just coming. We're entering into the edge of this now. It's a short, very short time. It's only about three years long. It's only three years long. And that time, at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. Because your name is in the book of life, you shall be delivered in these times, according to the word of God. All of you. Jesus is coming soon. Yes, you'll be delivered in the rapture at the very end, but you'll be kept for the rapture, kept safe. Just stay serving Jesus, worshiping Jesus. You will be in victory. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. God says the soul winner will shine like the stars for eternity. Hmm. Well, we need soul winners today. This is the end times we're in. And there's more people alive today on earth than there is in heaven and hell combined. This great harvest was paid for by Jesus. He died for them. Rightfully, he owns them. And he's depending on us to tell this lost world about him. And when we do, he says, we will shine like lights, like the stars for eternity. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So Daniel is saying, in his end times, you'll know it's the end times, because many shall run to and fro, just like we see today, traveling everywhere by airplane, by cars. They didn't have all this 100 years ago. They're riding around on horse and carriages. Can you imagine? This all happened right now, all of a sudden. And knowledge shall increase. Well, knowledge is doubling like every six months. And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. So now we understand what God is saying in the book of Daniel, which wasn't clear 100 years ago, 200 years ago. Many shall be purified, made white, and refined. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. This is talking about a great revival. Many shall be purified. And while that's happening, you'll see some will even backslide 
That's interesting, is it not? That the cold and heart, the lukewarm, will fall away. But the ignorant, who don't know anything, shall come to salvation in their droves, and you will see God quiet His Spirit on all flesh, and you, family of God, I believe, are going to be used mightily in these end times. So, we learned from Daniel today about the importance of worship and the power of worship and the benefits of worship. We see what worship did for Daniel, for David, and we know what it'll do for us. It'll do the same. All right, dear family of God, we love you, Pastor Bev and I are praying for you continually. Would you kindly bow your heads and close your eyes at this time? How many of you say, Apostle Theon, I need to be sure that I'm going to heaven one day. I don't want to wake up in the fires of hell. Can you help me? Yes, I can. So while heads are bowed, eyes are closed here in church, in the other auditoriums in this building here, and also at home, or wherever you're watching live today, from wherever you're watching, if you're not sure you're going to heaven and you want to be, you can. So I'm going to count to three. If you'll slip your hand up, I'll pray for you. And God will put that assurance in your heart right now, wherever you're sitting. At home or here. Just put your hand up. It's between you and God. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. It's between you and God. All right, count to three. Slip your hand up. One, two, three. Okay, so if you slip your hand up, that means you want the assurance, and God will give it to you right now as I pray. Here we go. I invite everybody to say this prayer with me, especially all of you that raised your hands. Let's say this prayer together. Dear God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross in my place. You punished him because of my sins, so I can be forgiven. Please forgive me, Jesus, for all of my sin. I repent. Come into my heart. Save my life. Thank you, Jesus. From this day, you are the Lord of my life. And I will live for you with all my heart until I see you face to face. I will no longer live a selfish life for myself, but I'll live to please you, Jesus. You are my Lord from today. Now, if you said that, congratulations. Especially if you said it for the first time. And if you'll continue to stay in fellowship with Jesus, you are guaranteed to make it to you. So God richly bless you. We love you all. We trust in God to see you in February. Amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.